Welcome to the Level Work Podcast. This is Jeff. And Andre. I could not get you to stop talking. What a woman speak. Do you see what I'm saying? How to break through with your spouse, your partner. <laughs> I've been thinking about this. How did you handle this? The man's kind of got it good. I feel like you're getting off on a little bit of soapbox. This is me rolling my eyes. This is really great. I really... Rolling. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Hello, this is the Love or Work podcast with Jeff. And Andre. Shinna Barker. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> and we're thankful you're here listening to us. Today we have a great interview uh, prepared. Uh, do you want to tell them a little bit about it, Andre? Yeah, so we are interviewing Dorcas Chang Tozen, and she wrote the book, Start, Love, Repeat, How to Stay in Love with Your Entrepreneur in a Crazy Startup World. You don't know anything about this, do you, babe? Yeah, the that is like the story of my life. Uh, she's married to her husband, Ned, who started Delight, which is a solar company that um, brings solar power to people in need. It's really an amazing organization. Yeah, it looks amazing. And the book is is really, really incredible. For people that are sitting in that tension today of being married to someone that works a lot, not just entrepreneurs, but that really works a lot, and they're trying to figure out how to balance all that, what to, how to make sense of it, how to how to break through with your spouse, your partner. And, and, and she really is writing from that tension. Yeah. It's a really good resource. She has just a lot of great, great content in here. So this is one of the first things we've seen that is, is most overlapped with our project in a lot of ways. Yeah. for sure. And so, uh, we're going to get right into it. There's three things I want you to be listening to as we, uh, as we move on with the interview. The first, I thought this was really great. She referred to social entrepreneurs as noble. This is me rolling my eyes. This is really great. I really... Rolling, like in the back of my head. I had a real warm, fuzzy I'm feeling sure in you that did. moment. I'm sure you did. Second thing, <laughs> oh, gosh. that was the positive. On the negative... Of course he'd bring that one up. The flip side... Yeah, let's she, talk about the flip side. She talked about entrepreneurs having really one of the highest rates of infidelity of any profession. Isn't that yeah. right? So your nobleness leads you elsewhere. There oh, you man. go. Don't Moving look at on. that one. And then the third one... Uh, that I want you to think about is this is a really cool thing that she said um, that in relation to time and uh, time with your family, time in, in marriage, that um, quality is more important than quantity. She she cites this uh, this project where there's six hours of focused quality time. That's what every per family week needs. Per, per week. week. Yeah. So she's going to you're going to learn more about that. Yes. So let's get right into it. Let's do it. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your story? And, and you've written this book. Tell us about uh, why you wrote this book. Sure. So I have been married to my entrepreneur husband, Ned Tozen, for 12 years now. We've been together for 19 years total. We have two kids, a five-year-old boy and another boy who's only four months old. And Ned started a company called Delight about 10 years ago, and it has been the best and the worst thing that has ever happened to our marriage and our family. Um, we have had so many conflicts and disagreements that have lasted for years, especially around his travel, around time management, uh, around responsibilities around the house and with the family. We've had to move almost every single year that we've been married, and that includes includes several international moves. Um, I've had to make major changes in my career. We delayed having kids. 
we've dealt with exhaustion and burnout and chronic anxiety um, and many, many more things. The list goes on. Um, but the really wonderful thing about his work, which is that they provide solar powered products for families that don't have electricity in developing countries, is that it gives our life so much purpose and meaning. Uh, we get to impact millions of families in a really significant way. And I don't know how many people get to say that. And so despite all of the challenges, all the hardship and the sacrifices, uh, in some ways, it's been totally worth it. And it has really pushed us as individuals and as a couple to go far outside of our comfort zone. It stretched us. Uh, we have changed and matured so much because of what we've been through. And our relationship is just in a really good place now. Not to say that we don't still have challenges, but I feel like the depth of trust and love and security that we have in our relationship today is in large part thanks to all that we have been through. And so the book is called Start, Love, Repeat, How to Stay in Love with Your Entrepreneur in a Crazy Startup World. And as you can imagine, it came out of all of these personal experiences. And I had gotten to a really challenging place a few years ago and was looking for resources to help me figure out how do I deal with all this resentment and exhaustion and anxiety and the fights that we still continue to have. And there just was very little out there for entrepreneurial couples. You know, you can find a million things about how to build your business, how to raise money. Um, but in terms of, you know, how do you keep your marriage healthy? How do you keep your relationships strong? How do you take care of yourself in the midst of all of that? There's, there's just so little out there. And so I happen to be a writer. And so it seemed to make sense that maybe I should just write the resource that I really need and that I know other people like me could benefit from as well. I think um, for Andre and I, I lead a, this organization called Plywood People, and it definitely correlates with the tensions we see in our community. So when I first heard about this uh, project, it really resonated with me. And um, because it's one of the greatest, greatest tensions we are constantly wrestling with. Yeah, the book is really good. It is a really, really great resource for sure. So I want to ask you on the front, Andre and I are are just finishing the book now. Um, in some ways, it felt like this journey and this writing for you was kind of making sense of the frustrations you were having along the way. Is that is that a fair way to say it? Oh, absolutely. The whole thing is still very much a work in progress. <laughs> I think uh, if you if you have looked around, there are a couple other things out there for entrepreneurial couples in regards to marriage and family life. But a lot of times people are writing from the other side of it of, you know, I, I went through this 10, 20, 30 years ago, our kids are grown up now. And things are good. But now I can look back and figure out everything that I learned along the way. And, and I think that that's very valid. And that's wonderful. I would say that we are still very much in the middle of it. You know, it's been 10 years, it's been the longest 10 years of my life. But, but the company's still going, there are still times when it very much feels like a startup, we still have a lot of challenges. Um, we actually, we've done two stints overseas. And we're actually going to be moving again later wow. this year back to Kenya um, with two small children in tow. And, and so um, this was as much a process for me of understanding, you know, what is going on <laughs> and what what is really helpful and meaningful and beautiful that I can draw out of these challenging experiences. 
So um, when tell me about your story of just in terms of, you know, when you guys met and fell in love and all of this, was um, this even this idea of him being an entrepreneur and all of that, was that even in the picture or were you kind of both in your separate careers or, you know, how basically how did where you are right now, is that what you kind of pictured when you started off together? Absolutely not. I had no idea this was coming. So we met as freshmen in college. So we were really young and we started dating not long after we met. And, you know, Ned had all the signs of being an entrepreneur, but I think we were just too young to recognize it. And so he could never settle on a major. He was changing his major every single quarter. He could not focus on anything because he just found everything really interesting and fascinating. And he was just doing things all the time. And so he was a full-time student, of course, but he was also in an acapella group and running multiple student organizations and he started his own band and he was recording albums for the band and the acapella group Um, and he was just running himself ragged even as a 19 year old and that was a little bit frustrating to me but at the same time I saw how much life it gave him he just had so much vibrancy so much creativity and entrepreneurs are really fun people to be around and I I am very much a sort of straight and narrow, do what you're supposed to do, stay within the box kind of person. And so it really appealed to me to be with somebody like that, who was constantly wanting to try new things, um, who was pushing me to be adventurous. And and so, so those things drew us together. Um, but it wasn't until after we finished school and Ned had his first real full-time job that he realized how much he hated that. And so he quit within six months and started his own thing. And even then we didn't fully recognize what was going on. It was a very small business at the time. And then he did another one and then another one. And then I think it was in our mid twenties that um, it finally hit him. Oh, you know, I think this means that I'm an entrepreneur because I love starting businesses. I love starting something new and building it from the ground up. And and so we got married and then two months later he started business school and it was out of business school that this idea came to fruition that he met his co-founders and then they just did that um, as soon as they finished their so degree. So what were you doing in this time? Like, were you having your own career? What were Where were you at with all of this? So I studied sociology in college and I entered the nonprofit sector when I graduated. So I, uh, I wouldn't say that it's a lucrative career, but uh, it was very meaningful and I was working really hard but it was, you know, a fairly stable um, kind of work. And so I actually kind of took pride in being the stable partner in the relationship. And I, you know, am a modern woman. I was like, okay, if I need to provide for my husband who has no idea what he's going to be doing in life, then that's okay. Um, But it did, it caused a lot of tension because when, uh, when he, started the business, went full-time into it, um, and then about a year later realized that we needed to be in China to make this happen because that's where all the manufacturing was taking place and it just wasn't working to manage that from a distance. Um, I had to quit my job, a job that I was really enjoying that had a lot of potential for growth and promotion. Um, and and then I went to an industrial city in, in, in China. Addition, with- in addition, it sounds like you were actually the 
probably the consistent uh, money coming in as a family. Is that fair to say? Or was he yes. getting paid then? Well, um, so I think where our story might differ from some other entrepreneurs is that Ned did not commit to doing his startup full time until they had received investment, um, which I don't know if that was my influence or just, you know, he was really wise about it. So he was getting an income. Um, and so we knew that we would not starve <laughs> if, if he did this. Um, and we were getting benefits, which was really important. You know, not having health insurance would be a very scary thing. But it, it was still a stretch. You know, he was making probably only a third of what his business school cohorts were making. Um, we lost my income. I started working for his company, but we were all working for below market rate salaries, um, in large part because of budget issues, but also because of the social mission of the company. And so we felt very strongly that we wanted as much money as possible to go toward the um, the development of the products and getting them into the hands of families. It's, it's interesting to hear your, your thoughts on um, kind of the entrepreneurial side of it, because it, it sounds like in college, that's what really drew you to him. Like that was what was probably really attractive about him. And then over time, it it was, you know, the one thing you love most about him and probably at times the and most frustrating, hate. right? Yes. It's like yes. the love-hate yes. together, right? Absolutely. So I interviewed a psychologist and relationship expert uh, named Tai Tashiro, and he told me that entrepreneurs are really great to date. They are so fun to date, and they are really, really hard to be married to <laughs> um, because, you know, that adventurous, you know, always wanting something new and um, wanting to do different things, it works great when you're dating, and it keeps things really exciting. And then when you get married and you want to settle down, it it really creates tension with the desire for stability and certainty and commitment even. Um, and so I think those of us who have been in the startup world have been around a lot of entrepreneurs know that unfortunately infidelity is a big challenge among entrepreneurs and it just kind of fits with their personality, that desire to just kind of search for the next new thing. And, um, and so it's, it's something that that I think a lot of entrepreneurs just need to be conscientious of, not that they are doomed to have failed marriages, but but that it's to recognize that that those are some tendencies that that they may have. And, and so to watch out for that and to to recognize what you need to do to ensure that your family and your relationships remain healthy and vibrant. So what do you need to do? What have you figured out in the midst of Keep this? Keep it in your pants. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that? Yes. That's a good yes. start there. Yeah, I'm curious. Like, what have you learned that, because, I mean, yeah, we've seen that in our community. We've seen it. and All the time. Yeah. So what advice or what have you learned along the trek that can, um, that could help others in the midst of this? Yeah. Well, I think one of the great temptations for entrepreneurs and their partners is to feel like they can put family on the back burner. And there's a sense of, okay, like now is the time to do the business. And then in another year or two, we'll come back and pay attention to our relationship then. And we'll come back and pay attention to the kids then. And what I have seen in the dozens of interviews that I did with entrepreneurial couples is that there's a real cost to that, that there's no such thing as, you know, putting your family on the back burner and not having consequences for that. And so what I would really encourage entrepreneurs to do is to 
live with the same sense of urgency and prioritization of your marriage and your family that you have with your business. Um, so that means having a plan, making commitments, um, setting goals, and, and sticking to those. And knowing that if you want your relationship to last in the long run, then you need to be constantly investing in it. And it doesn't have to be huge investments. So I think that's where it can feel very daunting because time and energy is something that no entrepreneur has enough of. But um, your marriage and your relationship with your kids, in that case, quality definitely trumps quantity. And so you know, John Gottman is a very well-known marriage expert, and he talks about how there's this magic six hours a week that every couple needs to be able to maintain a strong relationship. And when you break it down, it's really not that much. It's less than an hour a day, and it can be broken down into, you know, five-minute check-ins here and there. But as long as you are dedicating those six hours to your partner and it's really focused time too it's not you talking to them while you're checking your email but it's like you looking them in the eye and asking them how was your day what was good about it what was hard about it um how are you feeling about things or you know spending time talking about what are our goals as a family where do we want to be in six months what's important to us um those are the kinds of things that feed a relationship and keep it alive and it again really does not take that much time or energy it just requires intentionality and commitment to um, to set aside that time and that focus and it's a way of letting your significant other know like you are very important to me I'm crazy busy life is kind of out of control right now but you're still really important to me and I'm willing to put all of that down even for a few minutes to to be with you and to care for you um, and those small gestures of affection and commitment actually make a huge huge difference in the relationship so Dorcas I um I love what you're saying with that intentionality and I don't know if it's the same for you. I kind of felt like it was in your book when I was reading it. But for me, you know, with um, being married to an entrepreneur, um, even while we were married, uh, it, you know, and before kids, um, I didn't care if he wanted to travel all the days of the days. And I really didn't care, you know, um, as much as he really wanted to work, he could work. And because I, I had my own career and I had my girlfriends I wanted to see and I was an independent woman that had, you know, things I wanted to do too. So when he was gone, it was the time that I got to be with my girlfriends or do my own thing. I feel like um, I'm about to get thrown under the bus all of a sudden. But, <laughs> but, <laughs> yes, there's a big bus coming. Yeah, but I think, uh, I think it wasn't as big of a deal when we were married. I think when the big tension and the big change happened is when kids happen and I feel like all of a sudden that threw me into a tailspin because that was a whole different story um, in this picture of what our marriage and our family uh, was going to look like um, with being married to an entrepreneur. So can you talk a little bit about that with your experience once you had kids? Absolutely. I think I was a little bit more needy than you even before we had kids. So I definitely was very upset with how much Ned would travel and how much he worked. Um, but yes, it was completely different 
when our first son came along because now every it felt like every business decision he was making had a very direct impact on me. And so if he was gone, that meant that I was getting that much less sleep, that I was that much more exhausted. And I think especially as a first time parent, that sense of responsibility and that fear of, you know, am I doing something wrong? Am I hurting my child? Is there something that I'm going to miss because there's not somebody here to back me up. Um, I had a lot of sleepless nights where I just would lie in bed and feel like, oh my gosh, like if something goes wrong, if there's an emergency, I have no backup. And that was terrifying to me to, um, to feel like I never signed up to be a single parent. I shouldn't be a single parent because I married um, to a very loving husband, but he's just not here a lot of the time. And, um, and so I think for me, I recognized, well, for one, it became absolutely essential that we set boundaries. And so that was the first time we sat down after so many years, because we didn't have kids until uh, seven years into our marriage, um, that we we sat down and and said, okay, there need to be some real limits on your travel in terms of how long you go for, how often you go for, how much time there is in between your trips. And um, because I was totally losing it, I um, was really struggling with, there's probably some postpartum stuff going on as well, but just a lot of anxiety, um, a lot of fear, a lot of exhaustion. And, and so I needed to know what I could count on in terms of Ned's availability. Um, it also was a time when I recognized that, hey, I can't do this on my own anymore. And I am not good at asking for help, but that was when I recognized how much I needed other people. Um, I needed family. I needed friends. I needed people to step in and help with childcare, help bring meals, even just people to talk to, to give me, you know, adult company um, so that I could have an actual conversation with somebody instead of just staring at an infant all day. Um, so and, I'm, and I'm so, curious on those boundaries yeah. that you talked about, like take, take us back to when that conversation happened, when you're like, because Jeff yeah. and I's conversation was explosive. Yeah, Andre was screaming. <laughs> we were. It was. Our, it was. We had a, uh, many come to Jesus conversations. The, there was but definitely the first one, one big one. Um, <laughs> I still remember. Anyway, uh, it was for us. It was on my birthday. It was supposed to be the day. Oh, about, no. Okay, um, we don't have to go into anyway, this. All that to say, I'm sure that I bet there was a moment when you guys yeah. really unpacked that together. I'm curious what was going through your head. What was going through his head. And then yeah. what resolution came? Like what, what boundaries did you end up setting? It had been simmering for us for a long time. And so we would have little snippets of arguments here and there, but it just never felt like we could get to a resolution because Ned's perspective was, I absolutely need to travel this much for the sake of the business. And it was still, you know, in a, it was more than what you wanted, right? Yes. And then I felt like I am going to lose my mind if you don't travel less. And we were just stuck at opposite ends of the spectrum. Neither of us was willing to budge. And so we it just felt like we were at a stalemate for weeks on end. And then I think I just got to a breaking point. Um, there were many, many tears <laughs> in, in that conversation. And um, and I think it also didn't help that we were a rather accusatory toward each other. So I told Ned, you know, I am sure that you are traveling at least 40% of the time. And that is way more than I ever agreed to. And then he was saying, no, 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 there's no way, you know, it is only 25% of the time at most. And that's really not that bad. I know so many people that are traveling 
more than that. And um, as you can see, we were both really defensive as well. I mean, basically everything that you shouldn't be doing in terms of communicating and working through conflict, we did all of those things. Um, <laughs> and but, and but then, hang on, I, I want to point out yeah. something really quick. Regardless of the percentage, what ended up happening, I'm and I, and I can totally relate with this, is that he was looking through the lens of other people he worked with and how much they were traveling and justifying yeah. his, right? And no, nothing against them or him or whatever. Like, this is probably a subjective definition, right? Where when what is enough related to travel and being away from home and the, these types of things, every couple has to create their own boundaries, right? Yes, that, yes. That works and, specifically and, for them and their family situation. Yeah, and I was doing the same thing. I was looking at my friends whose husbands never traveled, and I was thinking, that's the life I want. What is wrong with us? Um, and it was really unhelpful for us to be comparing ourselves to other people, because like you say, every couple is unique. And, and so you got to find what works for you. And, and the percentage for us was really important because when my husband finally sat down and actually documented every single trip that he had taken, I think for the past six months, he loves Excel spreadsheets. So that was his tool of choice. (laughs) So he sat down, made an Excel spreadsheet of all of his travels. And then we realized that he had been traveling 33% of the time. So it was pretty much exactly in the middle of what the average of what the two of us thought. And, um, and it was helpful for me to realize, okay, it's not quite as bad as I thought it was, but 33% is still a lot. And then for him, it was a huge wake up call because he looked at that number and recognized that I am away from my wife and my child for one third of the time. And is that really the kind of spouse and father that I want to be. And so I think he kind of needed that attitude shift to happen first before we could have the um, nuts and bolts conversation of what are the boundaries. So the boundaries ended up being that he would just travel for a week at a time um, because he always takes international trips. So they have to be long. um, Yeah, there's no way around that. Yeah, you can never do like a two day trip or anything. Um, So you know, maximum a week, uh, one trip a month. And then, um, I think as few weekend days as possible that he would be away. Um, so, but you know, there are exceptions. And so we have made many, many exceptions over the years. If something really urgent came up, um, if he needed to take a longer trip this month and then he could take a shorter trip the next month. So it is flexible, um, but it's been really helpful to have that as a starting point for the conversation. Because if ever we needed to negotiate something or if ever I felt like I was at my wit's end and I needed more support at home, then that's what we could go back to. There was this common ground that we had both agreed to. And and so that's why, you know, every therapist that I spoke with said that agreements are so essential in a relationship because it gives you those commonalities to work off of, um, the similar starting point that you can both point to when when you are disagreeing with one another of like, hey, no, we both said this was important and that we were going to try to honor these commitments I like that. The agreement, just having those kind of almost documented in a way, you know, um, the conversation for sure, but then almost having that kind of documented between you two as saying what you both agree as, you know, the important like baselines of what your marriage or your family is going to look like. 
Yeah, I actually think the documentation is essential. It can feel a little bit odd and strangely formal, but it's fascinating how poor our memories can be when, especially when we're feeling defensive and or feeling super stressed out, which, you know, when you are an entrepreneur or married to an entrepreneur, you're pretty much stressed out all the time. Um, and, and so whether it's taking notes in a notebook or, you know, writing down some notes on your phone, um, or there was a couple I interviewed where they would create a Google Doc, they would write down all of their agreements, they'd print it out and sign it. Oh, and then boy. file it away. Um, but it worked for them. It worked, yeah, it worked really for them. Well yeah, because yeah, it was clear and black and white with their yeah. signatures right exactly, there. Exactly, right. Yeah. Hey, Dorcas, Post is, it on the refrigerator. Is there, <laughs> ever, is there ever times thinking about like separating your husband from this? I mean, in the book you talk about, you kind of refer to it as a threesome, you and the startup and your husband, yes. which I thought was a really interesting uh, word phrase to use. Um, is there ever times that you're like, all right, I know that you care about this. I know that it's helping all these people in the world, but right now it's time to shut it off. So whether that's vacation, whether that's a date, what do you do to kind of make him or do you make him separate from that work at times? Yeah, I do. Although it took us years to get to that point. So um, I know you work with a lot of social entrepreneurs and so you will understand that it's it's actually, I think, almost harder for social entrepreneurs because what they're doing is so meaningful and the um, the people that they're serving. I mean, it just it's so noble. It's so wonderful. And there's absolutely no question about that. Um, but then it can feel hard to turn that off because, you know, and I, as the spouse, felt super guilty every time I asked Ned to stop working because there was a sense of, oh my gosh, you know, how many families are not getting electricity because I am pulling my husband away from oh his work goodness. and asking him the, to pay attention oh, to me. Oh, the guilt, right? I know, the guilt, the shame. <laughs> um, and I learned over time, thankfully, that that was a really unhelpful way of thinking about things that, um, that obviously there's, you know, it's just not a comparison that can be made. Um, and, and it has been really helpful even just recently, um, you know, Ned and I were talking to somebody else and he was asking us something similar and, and it was very helpful to hear Ned say, I really, really love my wife and I really love the business and I can't imagine my life without either of them. It's not about, it was never about me choosing one over the other. I need both, um, to feel like a whole person. And, and so, um, I think the, the role that I have played in forcing him to stop at times, um, I think I have gotten on his nerves occasionally. I have definitely been a nag. But I've also recognized that, one, it was really important for me. It was really important for our relationship. But it's also been really good for him that as wonderful and noble as his work is, he cannot do it 24 seven, he's going to burn himself out really, really quickly. And he's been on the verge of burnout so many times already. Um, he's going to really compromise his health, which is going to affect his long term effectiveness professionally, but it's also going to affect our relationship. You know, I don't want I really want to be with him for decades. I don't want to lose my husband, you know, way earlier in life than than I should because of how hard he worked. And and so um, recognizing how important it was for all of those reasons, and certainly for the kids as well, after they came along, um, then I don't feel so guilty anymore when, when I ask him to stop. Because I've also seen the benefits of it, that he is so much healthier in a much better place 
our relationship is um, it's just more vibrant and uh, and everybody in the family does better when when he is healthier, when he takes time out to actually focus on family and think about something other than the business. It's actually really good for him to kind of push that reset button um, and just totally unplug and take a break. So this project that Andre and I are, are um, kind of working on, it, it parallels a lot with what you're talking about. And the big question that we're trying to wrestle with is, is it possible for both of us to be pursuing our purpose and, 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 and in turn changing the world in some capacity and stay in love and raise a family? And I want to ask if what your opinion is on that question and even add to it, even as you're explaining the, the kids you have, it sounds like you have a four-month-old, which means your book was coming out as as your baby was like two months old-ish. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. So, so <laughs> you're, you're in the tension of it as much as us, like where now you might be writing about in some ways about your experience with this journey, but you, you have your own career. You're a writer. You... Uh, right, I believe in Inc. Magazine and and other other really great credible places, and you wrote this book all while trying to raise the kids. So, do you think this is possible? Possible? And uh, yeah, any thoughts you have? I do think it's possible. I would not have been able to write this book if I didn't think it was possible. But it's not easy. It's absolutely. Uh, requires a lot of hard work, a lot of intentionality, a lot of communication with your spouse to work through nitty gritty details that I think may just sort of fall into place for couples that have simpler lives <laughs> um, where, you know, if both of them have a nine to five or if one of them is a stay at home parent, um, I, I think that there are some assumptions that you can make that are fairly safe. And you just can't make those assumptions when there's a startup in the family because anything can change on a moment's notice. Um, but I think it's possible. I think it's tiring and it's worth it. <laughs> mm. um, I One of the most helpful frameworks that I have worked off of, and this actually came out of my interviews for the book and the research that I was doing, because I don't think I had this before I started writing the book, is this idea that it's not a zero sum game. It's not about choosing one over the other. And it's not that, you know, if one partner wins, the other one has to lose. It is possible to have it all. Um, but there's going to have to be compromises on everything. So, you know, with with my book coming out, you know, I asked Ned to not travel for a specific amount of time because I was going to be needing a lot of support, especially with the kids and around the house during that time when the book was coming out, when things were especially crazy. Um, but that was hard for him because he had already stopped traveling for a number of weeks because our baby had been born and he was just itching to get back out there. <laughs> and, um, and so that, you know, was, was challenging for him, but, but he was willing to make that concession because he knew how important it was to me. And there have been times where I have had to turn down interviews or professional opportunities because he was traveling and I needed to be available to take care of the kids. And, and so it is very imperfect. You have to recognize that you can't have everything you want all the time. And to some extent it, it feels like we take turns over the seasons. Well, I know there's a lot of people listening to this that are probably wrestling and sitting in that tension that you felt for, and that you've gone in and out of at different times over this startup experience. And um, so first of all, if, if someone's listening to that, I just want to 
Um, I just want to take a second to acknowledge that and say this isn't easy. And, um, and if you want to learn more about this and you want to kind of glean some insight from, from her, but how, how would people get your book? Where would they find it? How would they connect with you? Yeah, the book is available wherever books are sold. So you can get it online. You can get it in your local bookstore. Um, it comes in, of course, a hard copy as well as ebook and audiobook. Um, and I am online. Uh, my website is www.changtozen.com. And I'm on Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn. And, and the book is called Start, Love, Repeat. Yep. Start, love, repeat. How to stay in love with your entrepreneur in a crazy startup world. So thank you so much, Dorcas. I really appreciate you joining us today. Yeah. Thank you, Jeff and Andre. It's been such a pleasure. And now it's time for the breakdown. The breakdown. Let's do it. Wow. That was, that was a great interview. Yeah. So uh, what did you get out of this? One of my first things I took away is this idea that boundaries are unique to every couple. Right. Well, first of all, setting the boundaries in, in one thing. You have to do you that first. You have to do that first. But what, then, what is enough time away may not be the same for them that it is for us or anyone else. Right. I 100% agree with that. I mean, you know, when they were breaking down, like, the percentage of time travel and all of that, what works for Dorcas and Ned um, would be a no-go for me. Yeah, there's no way you would let me That's be an absolute that no-go. But it, but it works for them, and it was... And, <laughs> it does. And, and so that doesn't matter. She's a, she's a stronger woman. And that's, that's the me. case with every couple. The, the point is that you have to take the time to process that together. Yeah, and I loved, along with that, what she was talking about, about that agreement, you know, where really technically you have to sit down and basically have this agreement together of what your marriage, what your partnership what your family is going to look like. And I, I mean, I know you and I have had many of these hard conversations, um, but basically it's your, your similarity, what you are kind of putting forth together to saying this is the most important thing. Yeah, it seems like in a healthy state, you have to take time to, to make agreements. He, she talked about the, I think it was a person from Google or something that has a spreadsheet yeah. Of all the, of all the time. That, that would never happen. That wouldn't family. work for us, but it might work for someone else that's listening right now. Yeah. It, it doesn't matter how you do it. How, yeah. How you do it. It's like, but when you're in a healthy state, let's agree to something. And then when you're in a disagreement, how do we point back to that original agreement? Right. Right. I thought that was really good. I have one other thing. Whenever one person is suffering, we need to make a change. I heard her say that statement. Whenever one person is suffering, we need to make a change. Hmm. I felt like that was a really, she kind of glanced over it. She went by it fast, but I felt like that was something that w- really will stick with me. And that, as, that gives language to someone that's in that moment right now. Yeah. And I think uh, it's, we really have to recognize that with each other. You know, we have to be looking at each other and seeing that in each other, because I think it's really easy uh, for women to kind of, cover that up a lot Hmm. and kind of, um, keep charging through, especially if you're, uh, you know, in the throes of the young children, young kids, it's like, you know, I got mouse to feed and got to keep on moving and you just kind of keep chugging through, um, without really sitting down and thinking, is this who I want to be, where I want to be? Um, am I happy? Yeah. 
So we have to be aware of that with each other. The book is called Start, Start Love, Repeat. If you're in the middle of that tension, I think this would be a great book for you to read. And, and I think you'll feel empathy towards where you're at and maybe give you some direction of where you need to go. It's a great book. Check it out. That's the Love of Work podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thank you.